Yo, this is Pastor Tito here welcoming you to another episode of my Revolutionary Podcast where I'm here to help you find faith in Christ and how to follow through with your life. And we are wrapping up this idea that we've been looking at over, you know, examining, discussing, talking about over the last couple of months on tackling a lot of the things that keep us from following through. Um, thing when we struggle to believe or when we as Christians find it very difficult to behave and then you know we wonder what's wrong with me and we come up with all of these excuses or all of these other things and so today we're going to look at somebody who knew very much man who we could relate to somebody who struggled to believe didn't get it right all the time and God used him in a mighty way and that guy's name is Peter all right. Peter is everybody's favorite guy, man, because he's just so relatable. So let's look at his final words that he left to a church and to Christians to help them follow through even when they struggle. I am just the waiter. I'm not the cook. All right. That's the Holy Spirit. He's the one that has provided the meal always through his word. So if you got an issue with the food, you can take it up with a chef, all right? That's on him. I'm just here to bring you what he has prepared for each and every one of us. And so today we have been, we, we're going to wrap up an idea and a focus that we've been really doing for the past two months. So if you've been with us online and everybody here is, everybody is TGC fam, you know that we've been talking about pausing for a minute and looking at the struggles that many of us have when it comes to following Christ. Right. And, and I'm here to say, and this is probably one of the weirdest things to start with today, because, you know, we just saying what a wonderful savior we have. And then at the same time, we have been talking about these last two months, how not so wonderful things can be sometimes because of our frustrations or the things of the world or why does it have to be so difficult? Why do we have to struggle so much? We talked about all those things, but and this is why this idea, we've been looking at it, calling, calling it messy spirituality. But it's like, like anything, anything worthwhile in this world, guys, requires work, right? Anything worthwhile requires work. Some of y'all trying to be looking, some of y'all already trying to look snatched for summer 2022. You trying already, I know it, all right? Some of you already trying to get ready because, hey, look, summer bodies are built in the winter. Y'all know that, all right? Summer bodies are built in the winter. Some of you guys put yourselves through it. You all suffer with them salads and you suffer in the gym. Why? Because it's worthwhile, right? It's worthwhile to be able to feel good and look good, right? There's so many things that in our jobs, professionally, so many things that you do that you work hard, you work overtime, you do this, you do that. Why? To achieve this, to become that because you know it's worthwhile. Well, guys, if there's anything worthwhile in this world, it's knowing Christ and maturing in our faith. Yeah, that's the, but it's there that we, 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 we pull the shortcuts. It's there where we want the quick fix. We, we, we're willing to put so much work and effort and sacrifice and be patient for the things of this world. If we were half like that, half dedicated, half that motivated, when it comes to our walk with God, it would be different. And that's what we've been talking about a little bit today. And, and, and this is where I've been, I want to encourage you as we've been looking, especially as we're focused on you know, Christians and, and the, you know, our family here, listen, you are going, all right. It is, it does get messy. It does get messy when you want to mature spiritually, because there are things that happen right away, but there's some that doesn't. 
And it's just like those, it's just like when you get married. So um, the married folk understand, even if you're not married, you understand, you got parents, you've seen it, all right? When you get married, there are some things that happen right away, some things that change right away, right? You got, uh, ladies, your name changes most of the time. I know it's not super popular sometimes, but it is what it is, right? Sometimes it's your name that changes. When me and my wife got married 14 years ago, I got it right? Yes, I did. Okay. When we got married 14 years ago, her name, her last name changed. When we got married 14 years ago, our address changed. We both moved out of our parents' house and moved into our own, right? There are things that changed quickly. The license, our licenses had to change, right? Our, our passports had to change. So many things had to change, and it was quick. It was fast. But there are certain things that when it comes to even like a marriage relationship, there's some things that take time. 14 years in, it's I'm not done. 14 years in, she's not done. There's a process of growing. There's a process of becoming. There's certain things that happen quickly, certain things that don't. Same thing with your relationship with Jesus, guys. I need y'all to understand that. Same thing. Because salvation is like the marriage day. So marriage is, that's the starting line. That's not the finish line. All right? There's, there's a lot of marriages that don't make it because they treat the wedding day as the finish line. If they would have prepared for their marriage the way they prepare for the wedding day, things happen. A year goes in preparing for one day. That one day comes and gone. And then, huh, what happened after that? Same thing, guys, with this. There's things that happen when you come to Jesus. Listen, there are some things that change right away. Your name changes. You are now a son and daughter of God when you put your trust and confidence in Christ. You are not the same anymore. You go from sinner to forgiven instantly. You go from, from an enemy of God to a friend of God instantly. That happens like that on that day. Salvation, things happen instantly, but there's some things in you that take time. And just like a good marinade, listen, just like, I know we got, we got some, we got some, um, I was going to say we got some smokers in the house, meaning meat, barbecue. Okay. <laughs> I was like, we got some smokers in the house. Listen, John knows, bro, if you want a good, if you want a good one, how long is that going to take? You, you can't put it all in the microwave and be like, I need this in five minutes. No, it's going to take five, six, seven, eight hours but it's worth the wait. It ha there's a process. You guys understand sometimes, listen, God is trying to do something amazing. I mean, he's taking his sweet time. Now, some of it is us, and we're, we're, we've been looking at that. Some of it, guys, you and I can delay the process. You and I can delay the process, and we can grow further and faster if we are in a greater alignment with God. And when we are in sin or when we are in rebellion, it takes longer. It just creates more of a mess for God to have to weed through, but that's the reality of it. And there's things that happen quickly, things that don't. And that's the one that we've been focusing on. That's the one we've been looking at, guys. I want to encourage you, like we just sang a minute ago today, and regardless of how you are, where you are, today is a day that you can take a step forward in the right direction. And that's the important one that we need to understand is we're, being fo we're focusing on the process. How can we be a part and engage with God in the process. And we're going to focus on somebody that, listen, this is probably the most relatable dude in all of the New Testament. His name is Peter, okay? Peter is one of the most relatable guys because Peter is the one who is always shooting first, aiming later. 
Okay, Peter is the one. I mean, I, put yourselves in Peter's shoes. If you've ever, if you know anything about Peter, all right, he's the one that in Scripture, when we see the New Testament, he's one of the apostles of Jesus that Jesus calls out. This guy makes more, he misses more than he hits every single time prior to even after the resurrection. It's kind of crazy. Even after the resurrection, decades after, there was issues that Peter was still, God was still having to work with him on some. He was a little hypocritical too. He was a little bit, you know, played favorites here and there. I mean, it was amazing. And Peter would be one to stand up here and say, listen, I know what it's like to get it wrong. Could you imagine failing? in front of Jesus himself physically and being called out by Jesus verbally in front of everybody. That was Peter. Peter could stand here and tell you. He is the perfect example of, listen, the process, guys, the process. I know it can be messy, but, and if God can take a hard-headed, stubborn person like Peter and use him to do amazing things, what can he do through any one of us? And so we're going to look at Peter's words today. In fact, it was his kind of like final words, his final address. In the second letter that Peter writes, which is found in the New Testament, he's writing this at the end of his life, and he's writing to Christians, and he kind of knows it's, uh, it's almost time for him. It's almost time for him. His faith has not, his growth, by the way, was never a straight line. You know, it was never a straight line. Of, no, it, it got a little crazy. It got a little rocky. But there was things as Peter looks back on his life and he's encouraging the next generation of Christians. He says, listen, let me give you let me give you a word of encouragement that has helped me along the process of becoming the process of being more like Christ and the process of seeing God use somebody like me. And we're going to look at those words in his second letter as he focuses on that process. So we can all turn. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to uh, second Peter. We're going to we're going to go to chapter three. Um, No, I'm sorry. We're going to start in chapter one. And we're going to give you a flyover of the whole letter. So guys, literally, it's only maybe a page and a half, depending on your Bible. Mine is two, a little over two pages. I encourage you to read the whole letter. But in one sermon, I'm going to give you the synopsis of the whole thing. So he's at the end of his life. And a little bit after he writes this letter, Peter is crucified by Emperor Nero. In, uh, for His only crime was being a Christian and, and pushing the narrative and the gospel of Christ. That was his crime. And he was crucified not too long after this. And so here in this letter, he's trying to encourage fellow believers in the same thing that uh, he's still speaking to us today. The Holy Spirit's still speaking to us today. And in the opening part of the letter, he just dives right in and encourages those believers to strive, strive in their spirituality so that they won't stumble. So let's look at a couple of these verses. Let's put uh, 2 Peter, we got on the screen for everybody online or uh, here that doesn't have one. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4. He opens up the letter and he says, his being Christ, his divine power has given us how much, guys? Online, type it. Everybody else say it. How much has he given us? Some things? A few things? One thing? All right, I hear two people. Everybody online, I better see the, that word being typed over and over again. Who? How much, guys, has he given us? Everything. Is there something missing in everything? No, I mean, it's everything. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness, which is becoming, growing in our spirituality. Through what? The knowledge of him being Jesus, who called us by his own glory and goodness. By these, he has given us a very great and precious promises, so that through them, you may share in the divine nature, 
escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. So he's just focusing right there. The, the, the key phrase, I mean, he goes right into it and says, guys, you have everything you need in Jesus for life and godliness. Life being eternal life. You have everything that you need. You can't earn it. You can't, do, you, you can't do anything else to achieve eternal life aside from Christ. In Jesus, you have everything you need for eternal life. But also, you have everything you need for godliness. Godliness means becoming more like Christ. Growing in your faith. Looking, acting, thinking, feeling, speaking more like Christ. Living out your God-given purpose. That's what godliness is and does. He says, in him you have everything you need. And we've been looking at the struggles, right? Oh, I was like, why is it so hard? You know, I'm not growing. I'm not this. I'm not that, right? But when you see here, it's a lot of times we put it on us to be able to try harder. It's not about trying harder. Guys, I, I can get, look, if, if I give a kindergartner a calculus test, if I give a kindergartner a calculus test, how's he going to do? He's going to fail. And what if I tell him, oh, you know, I take it, I rip it up. I was like, buddy, it's okay. Don't worry about it. You're good. You're fine. I bet you he'd be happy. Oh, yes, thank you. Right? But what if I give him the test again? He, uh, and he, how many, it doesn't matter how many times I rip it up. Right? It's still going to be, I can't do this, my guy. Why are you doing this to me? See, and that, that's how so many of us, we think spiritually. Like, God gives us a test. We fail. Uh, it's okay. I forgive you. Try again. It's okay. I forgive you try again. No, it's not like that. God is not giving us this impossible task to do alone. In him, we have everything we need. Aside, inside of us, we don't. In him, we have all that we need. Look at verse 5 and 7. He continues on and says, verse 5, it says, for this reason, knowing that in Christ we have this promises, so many things, because of who Jesus is, because of what he has done and is doing, for this reason, make what kind of an effort, guys? Make every effort, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Now, I just said a minute ago, it's not about trying harder. And then it sounds like he's saying try harder, all right? It's not like that. I mean, here, what he's talking about here is a sense of growing and maturing, right? taking, if you're going to take calculus, eventually you got to start with your two plus two equals four, right? You, you, you go there, you get there. And here we have God doing that. And so he's encouraging us. This is important. This is what godliness, what he was talking about looks like. Salvation, guys, we have everything that we need in Christ for salvation. And the only way you and I get saved is by faith in Christ, by believing, confessing, believing in our heart that Jesus is Lord, that he died on the cross, rose from the grave, and we confess it. And not just confessing it like this, guys. Oh, yeah, you know, I'm a Christian. Yeah, oh, you know, I believe. I believe. Some of y'all don't sound like, you know, well, it's, some, it's what I do. I, I was bored one day. And I don't know. Golly. I was like, no, man, I'm a Christian. I follow Christ. I believe. I love him. It, is, it comes from that place. And so what is all of this, though? See, it's, it's so easy for some of you to look at this and already think being legalistic. Oh, we got to follow rules. Oh, we got to follow this. Well, the kingdom of God has boundaries. It has rules, but, but there's this freedom. There's this freedom. There's grace 
to grow, grace to learn, grace to mess it up and figure it out and forgot to move as we surrender. And so what is he saying here? Listen, salvation is one thing. That's instant. The process is called sanctification. And uh, notice, you got to participate. There is a thing that you are called to do. I said a minute ago that you can stall your process. You can stall your process. And Peter is saying this is where you stall it if you don't do something that's important. You got to do something that's important. When he says here, add to your faith. Now, faith is believing in God. After that, what do we do? He says, add to your faith, goodness. And what he's, when he says goodness, he is talking about God. We talked about this last week. When God saves you, you have a new desire inside now. You have a new hunger. Yeah, there's a hunger inside of you to do what is evil and wicked. But now there's a hunger in you to do what is good, to fill it with God. And so here's the thing, guys. If you're hungry, what do you got to do? Eat. If you're hungry, eat. And so he's saying if you've been saved, add to that faith. Supplement your faith. This is not to achieve salvation. No, because you are saved. Add to your faith. Feed that faith goodness, the goodness of God. Feed on him. And here's, and how do you feed on the goodness of God? He says, with knowledge. And that knowledge is not just information, guys. He says, feed yourself, you know, supplement goodness, goodness with knowledge. And knowledge is the key theme for all of 2 Peter. Knowledge, he says it, knowledge over and over and over again. And he defines knowledge as the knowledge of Christ. When you feed on who he is, right here, guys, y'all got to eat. Y'all got a buffet open 24-7 right here in God's word. And you got to eat. He says, add to your faith that with, if you got that goodness inside, you got that desire, feed it with the knowledge of God. And here's what happens when you do. When you feed it with the knowledge of God, guys, everything happens as a result of it. As a result of it. When he says feed it with knowledge, well, knowledge is going to lead to self-control. Because you're going to be full more and more with the who God is and the knowledge of God. The word of God is going to do a work in you allowing you to be stronger, allowing you to have more self-control over your thoughts, over your emotions, over your actions. And the more self you grow in self-control, the more you're going to endure temptation, the more you're going to endure persecution, the more you're going to endure the flesh and the temptation of the flesh. And the more you endure it and don't fight against it, godliness, that's what produces it. The more we say no to our flesh and yes to Christ, the more godliness you become. And look what godliness looks like, guys. Godliness turns into brotherly affection and brotherly affection love. Here's how you know. Here's a good test, right? Here's how you know, are you growing in the knowledge of God? Is your heart growing for believers? Does your heart break for other Christians? Not just the ones inside. You know, does your heart break for the believers inside of this church that we have? But what about the church as a whole? So many of them suffering, struggling. Guys, we got some amazing heroes, unsung heroes out there that are out there on the outside, in the front lines, in the behind enemy lines, doing something that they know if they get caught today, they're going to die. And they're in their 20s and 30s, 40s and sometimes older. They are, they are willing to live a shorter life on this earth if it meant that somebody else got to hear the gospel of Jesus. That's amazing. That's things to celebrate. That's things to encourage. But there's others, so many, inside and out. This is how you know you're growing in that. And when your heart for Christians are growing, for the church is growing, when your heart weighs heavy for his bride, and when your heart 
Brotherly affection leads to love, that agape love, when it leads to loving even the lost, loving your enemies, loving those on the outside. Okay, that's what we are for. That's what it produces in us. Now look at verse eight and nine. He says, for if you possess these qualities, and this is the key word, guys, in increasing measure. Increasing measure does not mean perfect measure. Meaning if you're growing in these things, maturing in these things, if you're possessing these things in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless and unfruitful in the what? In the knowledge of our Lord Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind, is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. That's a heavy word. Notice, guys, if you are not feeding your faith, if you're not responding to that desire in you by feeding your spirit, if you're not feeding on God's word and growing in the knowledge of God, you're going to even forget and grow numb to the fact that Jesus saved you from your sins. How many Christians do you know that that reality, how many of you right now, I just said it, Jesus forgave you from your sins. You're like, yeah, I heard that a million times. Jesus loves me, this I know. Y'all finish the rest, right? See, when you, when you grow, when, when you're not growing in your faith, even that most powerful statement that you destined to hell have been forgiven when you chose Christ, how can you grow numb to that? That should be something that every day you think it should bring at least a tear to your eye to know that that's who you were and should be, but it is not because of Christ. That should move you, motivate you, move your heart. And it keeps you, notice when we do these things, it keeps us from being unfruitful, from being useless. But when we don't, we become short-sighted. We're only thinking about the moment, not about eternity. And we even go numb to that amazing reality. I mean, if there's any reason, guys, for you, to be able to put in some of this spiritual work, it should be that right there. That should be enough. To, why would anyone want to go numb to there? And look what he finishes off. I'm going to say 10 and 11. He says after this, so therefore, like, look, I'm building my case, guys. Therefore, he says, brothers and sisters, Christians, make, what's that effort again? Make every, man, he's saying, yo, y'all got to put in some work. Make every effort to what? Make every effort to confirm your calling and your election because if you do these things, you're never going to what? Ooh, that's a promise. If you do these things, you'll never stumble. For in this way, entry into eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. What does he mean you'll never stumble? Let me tell you what he's not saying. It doesn't say, guys, if you memorize your Bible verses better, and if you attend church more and sing louder and give more and do this and do that, if you try harder, you'll never sin again. It's not what he's saying. Because we talked about this. We said this last week. It, it is impossible to be sinless, but it is possible to sin less. So what does he mean? You'll never stumble. Meaning if you are feeding on God's word, if you are pursuing Christ, whatever, what, you know, in the context that, that looks like in community with other believers, when you are growing in increasing measure in these things, you are never going to stumble into fear or doubt whether you are saved or not. What did he say a minute ago? If you don't do these things, you're going to even forget the fact that Jesus did what? forgave your sins. How many Christians do you know that still struggle with the question, 
am I saved? Am I saved? After years later, am I saved? Some of them, I'm going to be real. If you've, ever, if you've wrestled, if you are wrestling right now with that question, this should bother you. Because it's bad either way. If you are not sure if you're not saved, you're probably not. Or you are, but you have failed to add to faith godliness and goodness because you're not putting in that work. You're not growing in Christ and maturing in Christ. And so you've even forgot what it felt like that God forgave you of your sins. Both of those cases are not good, but there's hope. There's hope in Christ for both. It is not nothing to be so much ashamed of that you stay there. No, because Christ can remove all of that, but it is not a good condition to be in. So if he says, if we are growing in Christ, you're not going to stumble into doubt. You're not going to stumble into fear because you are confident and grounded in God and who he is. Now, he goes off in, in, second, in chapter 2 and chapter 3. We're going to go to the end part of it. Peter starts to really go after and says, but here's the one thing you got to be careful about. Because some of you are like, but I, I, I listen to all these preachers and, and I'm doing that work, pastor. I'm, I'm reading all these books and this and that. Here's the thing, guys. Not everybody out there, not everybody out there is uh, it's on our team. Not everybody out there is on our team. Just because they have the word pastor on their Twitter handle right before doesn't mean they, they could be verified, verified by Twitter, but it doesn't mean they're verified by the Holy Spirit. Okay, you got to be careful. And so that's where Peter starts going in on them and say, listen, there are some lawless liars out there. Lawless meaning they don't have the love of God inside of them. And they're lying, twisting God's words. And so you got to be careful what you're listening to. Careful who? All of that stuff. And anybody that knows me, I tell you, don't listen to me only. You listen to others. And you A, B, compare because you need to grow. You can't just trust in what I say. Sounds weird to say. You can't. Don't trust me. I'm telling you, don't trust me. Call me out. Do it. Find out. It's okay. We're all growing together. But here he goes after that. And he tries, he's warns them and then actually focuses on the day of the Lord. Start talking about the future. The day of the Lord is when Jesus returns. And he tries to bring, he tries to bring not just the present, but he puts the present in perspective of the future. That one day Jesus is going to come back. And one of the lies that were being spread during Peter's time. Peter wrote this letter in around, I think, 60 something A.D. This was barely 30 years after the resurrection. And there was already a rumor spreading. You know what the rumor was spreading? Because Jesus said, I'm going to return. I'm coming back. It's been two decades. Everybody's like, you know what? That's not what Jesus meant. And they're already twisting Jesus' words two decades in. Now, like, no, he, he's not returning. Or they were mocking his, taking his sweet time. Peter then talks about the fact that, no, see, He's not taking his sweet time like you and I. He's not late in that case. He's being patient for your stubborn behind to be able to get it. Because if he showed up today, you'd be in trouble. So he's being patient. He's being kind in taking his time for you. And so no, let's, let's read verse, uh, verse 14. We're gonna, this is the conclusion. And so he goes in verse 14 and 18. And look what he says here. After he's making the case about warning against false teachers, false prophets that keep us from growing in the knowledge of God, because we're growing in the knowledge, not of God, the knowledge of lies. We're, we're, we're filling our minds. We, we know more than ever, yet we're more ignorant than ever if we're not filling our lives with the truth. So he says, so therefore, dear friends, while you wait for these things, while you wait for the promise for Jesus to return, while you are waiting for these things, make what? What's the phrase? Make how much effort? 
He seems to be repeating himself, doesn't he? I wonder why. How many times have we just in these few said it make every, every effort to do what? Make every effort to be found without spot or blemish in his sight at peace. What he is not saying is make every effort to be perfect. No, he's saying make every effort, make every effort to, to try. It's like a goal. Like it should be our goal as believers in Christ to not sin. That should be our goal. I want to wake up today and the goal is I'm, I'm going to try not to lose it with somebody today. I'm trying not to be hurtful with my words. My goal today is I want to be like Jesus. That should be our goal. Yeah, we understand that it is a goal that we can't perfectly achieve, but it should be our goal. It should be our goal. That's uh, so he's, he's getting everybody, encouraging them. You know, again, Peter's, he's, he's not one to be able to say, Hey, I'm perfect guys. Do what I did. No. But he says we should make every single effort not to fall in these things. Make every effort not to give ourselves to the desires of the flesh. Make every effort to when Jesus finds if he showed up today, hopefully he's interrupting me, doing something good, not doing something bad. I don't know if anyone's ever had that nightmare. Has anyone ever had that nightmare? You're like, what if Jesus showed up today in the middle of something? Yeah, right. In the middle of, I mean, that should bother you. The next time you're thinking about doing something, just, just act like Jesus is going to show up in two seconds. All right? Just process that. Your last moment on earth is going to be... <laughs> your last moment on earth is that. Is that how you want to go out? All right? Is that how you want to go out? I know it's not. Some of y'all got shook on that one. I hear it. online. You got to see this. Anyways, make every effort to do that. Also, he's not done. Let's move on. 15. Also, regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul has written to you according to the wisdom that he has been given. So notice again, he's going back. Remember Jesus? He's being patient. He's being patient with you. He's taken, look, it's not been two decades, it's been 2,000 years. And God is being patient for more and more and more people to be saved. And I'm telling you, God is going to take his sweet time for as many people to get saved as possible. And scripture says he's not going to come back until, literally, like it actually says that if he doesn't come back, when he's going to come back, there would be no one left alive on earth. He's literally waiting for the three, two, one. That's literally, Jesus' second return will come at a time that if he, if he waited an extra second, there would be no more life on earth. We would, we would consume each other that fast. That's when he's waiting. So more can come to Christ. And so he's saying, if God is being patient towards you, consider that patience. And won't you be patient with yourself? Think about that. Be patient. Be patient. That's so important that to be able to learn patience as well. Invert, but he also says something else. Let's read 15 again and look at 16. He says, remember, just as our dear brother Paul, he's been writing about these things according to the wisdom that was given to him by the Holy Spirit. He speaks about these things in all of his letters. This is Peter reinforcing what Paul has written. There are some matters that are hard to understand. The untaught and the unstable will twist them to their own destruction as they also do with the rest of scripture. Two amazing things there. Paul is literally telling us in that sentence, Paul's letters, Peter was saying that Paul's letters 
during 20-something years after the resurrection, people were considering Paul's letters to be inspired by the Spirit and to be considered Scripture along with the Old Testament. Within two decades, people are already recognizing the authority that was on Paul. That's amazing. Within two decades in. But the other one, I got to give you, Peter, I love Peter's honesty there. Peter said, listen, Paul has said so much. I'm, I'm going to be real. I'm still struggling with some of the things that Paul said, though. That's Peter. Peter literally said he has said, look, Paul has written amazing things. And some of those things are tough, guys. Listen, they're hard to understand. I, Peter, been with Jesus. I don't understand Paul sometimes. Good luck with that. Right? That's him. So, guys, if you ever read, read scripture and you struggle with, I don't understand this. Peter's like, oh, I'm in my body. Yo, you and me both, bro, we're in there. But it didn't stop Peter, though. It didn't stop Peter from striving. It didn't stop Peter. And Peter's telling him, make every effort, even if it's difficult to understand or even if it's difficult to receive. Let's just be real. A lot of times you read something. It's not that you don't understand it. It's that you don't want to do it. It's that you don't want to believe it. It's not that it's too hard to believe. No, it's just too hard to do. And you don't want to even bother trying. It's hard there. So he says, I love that honesty there. And then he goes off, read, uh, oh, did you see what he said? The unstable and the untaught are going to twist scripture. They're going to twist it to their own destruction. And guys, this is where Jesus and the, the New Testament over and over again constantly warn us. As a believer in Christ, you need to be on guard. Because there's people out there, listen, there, there's wolves dressed like sheep. There's snakes in the grass. And they're going to twist scripture. It's going to sound like scripture. It's going to feel like scripture. It's going to feel good, sound good, and you're going to eat it all up. And it was a lie. You didn't grow in the knowledge of God. You grew in the knowledge of somebody else's ignorance. And that doesn't save you. You've got to be careful. You've got to be careful with that. Because this is happening. And so we got to make sure that we're on guard. So he, his final statement, verse 17, therefore... Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, because you know we got these people out there, you know what God is doing. So therefore, since you know this in advance and now you can't tell, God, no one told me. <sighs> Pastor Tito told me that one day. Ah, okay. You can't say that excuse now. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. Now you know this in advance. So be what? Be on guard so that you are not led away by the error of lawless people. And fall from your stable position. Guys, if Peter is saying, if Peter is saying, don't fall in this way so that you won't fall from your stable position, that means that we can fall from our stable position. It doesn't mean salvation. It just means being secure. Being secure in who God is and growing in that knowledge. You got to be careful. So, but instead, don't go that way. Don't be led astray. Don't, don't get tripped up. But grow, verse 18, grow in the grace of the knowledge of, there it is again, the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory now and to the day of eternity. Guys, see right there, he says, keep what? Growing. Make Grow in the what? The knowledge of who he is. Back to verse 1, he says, when you got that godly desire and you feed godly desire, you feed it the knowledge of God, and you, and you continue to know God, everything else will kind of fall into place. That's the effort you got to put in. That's the effort you got to put in. Jesus has done all of the heavy lifting, guys. He's done the heavy lifting, but it doesn't mean you can't put your hands on the bar. He's done the heavy lifting, but we have to agree and go with him when we do that. He does the rest. He does the rest. 
And this is not, I want to warn you, this is not informational. When we grow in the knowledge of God, it is both informational and relational. It's both. It's both. Again, back to marriage, right? I said it, I said it a minute ago. There's a lot of people out there. A lot of marriages end in divorce for a lot of reasons. One of the main reasons is, is people refuse to change. It's really it. And if everybody in the house, if you've ever been divorced, you kind of know that, right? You friends, you know that. Eventually, two people just got stubborn. They either stopped trying. They stopped trying to pursue. They didn't grow in knowing this person. They're like, oh, I know you. Like, I'm done. Like, I got the ring. It's a, you know, there it is. That's the sign. It's over. No, marriage, the wedding day is the starting line. It's the starting line. Death is the finish line. All right? It's the starting line. And there are some people who don't, their marriage doesn't get any better. Why? Because they stopped trying. They stopped pursuing the other person or they refused to change. I am who I am. That person's the way they are. <clears throat> we got to break up. Guys, it works the same way spiritually. Some of us, you've gone numb to things because you just stopped. I get it. Maybe it was because it was sin. Maybe you fell into something. Maybe you felt so guilty. That's what we've been talking about. There's no condemnation in Christ. Get up. It's covered in the blood. Keep moving. Keep moving, whatever it looks like, keep moving. But it is also, look, it's informational and relational. Again, 14 years later, I know more about my wife than I did 14 years ago. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I barely scratched the surface, okay? I think on purpose, I think, you know, girls, you like switch things up just to keep it interesting. I'm like, you think you figure them out and then, whoop, I got to back to the drawing board. I'll try this again. Oh, I was wrong. Okay. God's like that. Listen, there are layers to God. There are, if you and I can, we and I, there's not one person that you can truly fully know perfectly. You can't. So if we can't even know a person perfectly, could you imagine God? But that shouldn't stop us. That should, we should continue to press in and pursue, make it a habit to grow in the knowledge of God, relationally, personally, and all of these things. And this is work. But what did I say a minute ago? It is work that is worth while Peter was saying, guys, this is worth it. When you get to know, the more you grow in the knowledge of God, the more he influences you, impacts you, strengthens you, encourages you, gives you self-control so you can stop being that person that you hate being. He can help you. It's in him, not in you. It is in him, not in your efforts, but in Christ himself. And so, but there's a phrase there that I want to translate a little better. He doesn't say grow in grace. It actually is a phrase that says, make it a habit to keep growing. Make it a habit in your life to keep growing. Guys, that's the biggest takeaway out of these last two months. I've been struggling to believe and I've been struggling to behave. So what should you do? Make it a habit to keep learning and keep growing. Make it a habit. That's, true. that's something we should do. We should constantly make it a habit to grow in the knowledge of God. Because like your bodies, like your lawns, like anything in nature, think about it. If we all just stop doing stuff, everything is going to decay. You stop cutting your grass, it's not going to stay perfect. You're not going to have them lawn lines forever, right? If you don't take care of your grass, it's going to go all crazy. You don't take care of, you know, you don't clean your house, it's going to be disgusting. You don't take care of your body. It's not going to, bro, you, you can't get to a place where you get, you arrive at six-pack abs and like, right, I'm done. I can just hit cruise control, live however I want, and I'm going to keep it like this. Some of y'all like that. Ugh. Okay, whatever. Some of y'all like that can do that. But y'all feel me on that? Like, you just can't get to a place and say, okay, I'm done trying. 
You can't, oh, I married this person. We married. Now I'm going to stop trying. No, if you are not maintaining something or maturing, it's going to decay. Same thing, guys, with your spirit. God has given us these amazing promises. God has given us this amazing gift. It says, in Christ, you have everything you need for life and godliness. And some of y'all, and I'll be real, I've done it. I do it too. I have to be careful. That's cute. We leave it on the shelf. That's a gift that he's given us that we are called to open every single day. We have everything that we've needed this whole time. And we're sitting here in whatever. Guys, Paul would encourage us and say, listen, man, if God is giving you a new desire, it matters. Feed that desire. Feed that desire. Because if not, you will grow numb and there will be a time, there'll come a time you won't want to anymore. And if you do, it's, you're going to go be on a slide that it's not impossible to break out of, but you're going to waste moments and time in life. You should ask yourself, I want to challenge you guys. If you have a desire to grow, that's great. If you have zero desire, challenge you, man. Let me challenge you. Is, is God, what does growing in grace look like? It means that more and more of your thoughts are filled with God. More and more of your time is filled with God. Listen, can we not be this? And this is something that all of us have the temptation to do. We tend to live our life like normal and just sprinkle a little, sprinkle a little Jesus into it. I'm going to live like this, do this, do that, make my own decisions and just kind of, you know, just add a little prayer here, add a Bible verse here, add a church attendance here, add a song here. Listen, that's not growing in grace. That's just you barely trying. That's barely. Peter says, make every, make every effort. Everything that we do, we should grow and get better at this, guys. The decisions that you make should be guided by God's word and through prayer. Your habits. Should I watch this? Should I do this? Should I go here? Should I be with this person? Should I? All of it should be inspired by God. We don't just do whatever we want and ask God, you know, put his verification stamp of approval on it. No, we grow in grace the more our minds and our hearts grow in the love of God. The more our desire for God becomes stronger and stronger and stronger. The more our want and, and the desires are changed to do other things. That's what it should be. That's what it looks like. But I want to encourage you. The good news, guys, is the good news, guys, this is not about you trying harder. Because you can't try enough. You can't try enough. God has done all the heavy lifting. And you need to understand that growing in grace, it's not a marathon. I'm sorry, growing in grace is a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And you do not run alone. One of the coolest images, if I can leave you with, some of you guys might know his name, his um, earlier this year, um, I think it was March or May, a man named uh, Dick Hoyt, Richard Hoyt, he died. And Dick Hoyt has made worldwide famous. Some of you guys, maybe, I mean, he's known. He has a foundation and everything. And the reason why he, everybody, a lot of people know his name is because he's famous for running marathons and triathlons and Ironman, not alone, but with his kid. So he had a son named uh, Rick who had an accident when he was born and had a, unable to communicate, unable to speak, um, cerebral palsy, couldn't move, couldn't do anything. Literally just, it's just a lie. 
But that didn't stop the parents and, and from trying to give his boy everything that he wanted, trying to give him a life that he could live. But he needed help. He was alive, but he couldn't live it for himself. He couldn't do things. So they, they did things. They helped him. He got to go to school, and, and he was able to get the, they got this computer where he was able to write his thoughts down. He was able to write his thoughts down and communicate his thoughts to a computer. And one day he tells his dad, I want to I want to run in a triathlon. And this boy can't do anything for himself. And he's like, well, what? That's a weird request. I want to run in this marathon, dad. And he's like, well, all right. Well, if you want to do it, let's figure it out. He ran his first one. And since then, that man, I mean, he died at the age of 80. But that guy has put in some miles. Look, look at a picture. This is what it looks like. When he would run these triathlons, I think you got that picture. Fred, can you put it up? You got it? Let me know if you don't, but should be there. Now nah, I'm going to have you look it up. Dick would run. He would run by pushing his son in that wheelchair because he couldn't run, push that wheelchair himself. When it came to the bicycle races, he would have to pick his son up, put him on that bike, and then push that bicycle and during Ironmans. How many miles? What's an Ironman, Jim? Two point on a bicycle. It's hard enough. Jimmy, Jimmy's done some of these. It's, it's hard enough just doing that by yourself. Forget a, a human body. Can you look at, I got, we got some swimmers in the house. Can you imagine doing that swim with a raft and having a human person, all that weight that you're having to drag? Dick died earlier this year and he left an impact in his life and especially in his son's life. If it wasn't for his dad, that boy couldn't do any of this. It was all because of his dad. And in an interview in New York Times, 2007, uh, Rick was talking about his dad and he says when my dad and I are out there on a run a special bond forms between us when we're out there together he says and it feels like there's nothing dad and I cannot do can you just let his words just sink in that that man right there speaking about his father says when we're out there there's a bond between us and when I'm with him I feel like there's nothing I can't do if there's any one of us that could say that us it's a son and daughter of God because guys that's you that's us growing in grace we can't do that's why I said a minute ago but in what did Peter say in him we have all that we need to live in God we have all that we need for godliness all the boy had to do was say dad I want to run the race he's like we're doing it all we have to do is call out to our Father and say, Father, help me. God, Father, I want to be more like you. And we put ourselves in that position, and Dad takes over the rest. Because if he, that boy can say, man, when I'm with Dad, I feel like there's nothing we can't do. I wanted you to know, guys, that with your Heavenly Father, there is nothing that can stop you from growing closer to him. Not one addiction, not one excuse, not one mental health issue, not one this, not one that, not one trauma, not one question. None of it that is too heavy that your father can't carry. None of it is. We have no excuse, but we have an opportunity. And every single day when we get to the limit of ourselves and when we realize we can't, may we not lose sight of the fact that, but in God I can because there's nothing he can't do. It's in him. We grow because of him. We live because of him. And that's why you and I, Peter, boldly declared and ended his statement. He ended his letter the way you and I should end today. To Jesus be glory both now and into the day of eternity both now and to the date he comes back. Why? Because he is putting us on his back 
both now and until that day. And he's not going to let us down. And we're not too heavy for him to carry, that he can't carry. That is who we have. So listen, guys, I'm going to tell you, it's going to get messy if you want to mature spiritually. If you want to mature in your faith, I am warning you, it's going to get messy. You won't get it right all the time. And God's going to show you some closets left unclean and left undone that you've, you need to address. It's going to get messy if you want to grow and mature in your faith. But it is worthwhile to be even an inch closer to Christ. It is worth every effort every effort to enjoy the bond that we have with our heavenly father because of Jesus. We can't save ourselves and we can't become like him by ourselves. All we can do is put our trust in Christ and he is enough. He is enough. And I want to lead you to that prayer right now as we leave here today. This is going to be a quick reflection. Heavenly father, I want to thank you so much for Lord. That, that is just a, a pathetic image to to be able to fully perfectly describe God your grace that is, your your grace is what carries us your grace is what moves us your grace is what what calls us and works in us that unmerited favor lord you don't owe us a thing you don't owe us a thing yet by your love because of who you are you stoop down and you are willing god you are willing to step into our mess to bring us out of it. God, I thank you for that patience, for being so patient with us, God. There are some of us here, I put myself in, I put myself into that category, Lord. I am so grateful that you are patient with stubborn people like us. I am grateful, Lord, that you are kind and patient to your sons and daughters, Lord, who are stubborn. Who, who refuse to confess certain sin, who make excuses for certain sin, or just don't put in the effort. We are not making every effort. God, thank you for the cross. Thank you, God, that it is not based on our performance because there would be no hope, not for me, not for anyone. And so, God, I pray that we may see who you are. May God, may we not lose sight and grow numb. God, I pray for those that are watching or here that they've gone, they've gone numb. They've forgotten that Jesus Christ has forgiven them of their sins. They've forgotten what it feels like because they have stopped putting every effort. They have given themselves up to the flesh in this world instead of you. You saved us from these things and we've doubled back. Holy Spirit, I pray that you may bother them right now. I pray that you may call them back. I pray that you may bring to remembrance right now when, when they desperately called on your name, Jesus, save me from my sins. Forgive me of my sins. I pray that you may bring that memory back. Stir them up so that they may run to you right now. And if that is you, I want you to just in your mind, I want you to do that and say, God, forgive me. What have I done? What have I done? Forgive me for putting this beautiful promise and all that you've given me on a shelf and I've traded it in for the slop of this world. God, forgive me for doing that and pick up your cross, cling to it with love and say, thank you, Jesus, for your grace and mercy. And if you've never done, I'm telling you guys that don't try harder. There is nothing Jesus has done enough. All you have to do is trust in him because he is enough. And God, I pray that today you may encourage us. I pray that today, Lord, we may walk out of here again like we were saying. What a wonderful Savior we have. What a wonderful Savior that is carrying us, moving us. Lord, thank what a wonderful Father that we have. Holy Spirit, what a wonderful friend that we have in you. 
And God, I pray that as we continue, I pray that today we may not, I, I, I don't want to settle for that, God. May we grow hunger, to, may we grow stronger and hungrier to say how much more wonderful can you be? I want to find out. Put that desire, stir that desire in each and every one of us, me and my kids and my family and our church. Stir that desire in us to say, I want more of you, Christ. Less of this world, more of you. And God, as we do, I pray that you may shift things in us. Shift things in us that the world, when they look at us, when our friends and coworkers, when they look at us, they don't say how wonderful we are. No, Lord, may they come to know what a wonderful Savior we have that is better than anything that we could ever even comprehend or imagine. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. And in the name of Jesus is who we praise. Amen. So let us reflect on those words that Peter gave us. Make it a habit to keep growing in the grace and knowledge of God. Guys, that is all God is asking of us. That's what Peter realized. That, that's what allowed him. That's what made it so possible for God to use him in such a mighty way that when he struggled, I mean, how many times we see Jesus rebuking Peter for not believing or having a misconception? How many times do we see Jesus still being loving and encouraging every time Peter didn't behave when he would deny Christ or, or would do this or would, you know, slice off that guy's ear? I mean, there God was over and over again showing grace and Peter grew in that grace. He grew in his relationship with God. If he took two steps backwards, he was making sure he was going to take three forwards. And none of it, guys, I want to encourage you. None of it was in our own strength. None of it was in his own strength. Again, it was growing in the grace of God, learning to rely more on God, less on himself. And he did that the more he got to know Christ personally. And in fact, that's kind of crazy. It's like the more you rely on God, the more you get to know him. And the more you get to know him, the more you rely on him, the more his grace is operating. And then round and round and round it goes. And so guys, remember, all right, this is not about perfection. Jesus will perfect us in the end. It is all about progress. Make it a habit to keep growing in the grace and knowledge of God. That is what's important. And I want to encourage you and challenge you. That's what the kind of revolutionaries that Jesus is looking at, man, looking for. Those people who revolve growingly more and more, put Christ at the center. So guys, what habits can you change today to learn to grow more and more in the grace and knowledge of Jesus?